Hi, welcome back. You're listening to Sex Like This, and the team here has a giveaway with your name on it. It's a custom Sex Like This Thumpus speaker. It's compact and it's powerful. It has a 33-foot wireless range and four hours of playtime, and it's water-resistant. Win yours, head to sexlikethis.com, click on the giveaway at the top of the website, and answer this week's question. What is the occupation of the guy Emily marries in episode four? Don't forget to follow at Uncomfortableism for show updates on Twitter. Best of luck. Now, let's start the show. It's like, it's like we don't talk about it, but it's just like, yeah, doggy style hurts sometimes. Like, yeah, that position that's really freaky where I'm on my back where you think that it looks, like, attractive because my legs are over your shoulders, it doesn't feel good. And they're so grateful to know that because no one's ever said it before. There are over 7 billion people on the planet. And most of us are looking for love. So if we couple off, you know, unless you've come up with a more interesting arrangement, that means there are theoretically about three and a half billion people in the world that could be the one for you. And counting. So with all of these options, why do we always hear the same love stories? The cookie cutter storybook version of what it's like to fall in love is told over and over again. Well, friends, that stops here. You're listening to Sex Like This, a podcast brought to you by Uncomfortable Revolution about sex and dating with a chronic illness or disability. I'm your host, health journalist Nicole Edwards. Oh, man. My first boyfriend, I described the relationship as if he picked me up and then spun me around for three months. You know, exhilarating and connected and fun. And then towards the end, you're like, I'm going to vomit everywhere. The first time Emily fell in love, she was 27. She had been in a few romances before then, but as she describes it, they were more friends that she was exploring dating and intimacy with than anything as hard-hitting as what you just heard her describe. She knew she was in love because of the way that she was able to talk to this person, to communicate with them, even when she wasn't saying anything. They set a date to see each other again the first day they met, and the next thing Emily knew, they were driving around New York. And we literally spent the next eight hours together just, um, like, playing, like, playing around Coney Island. Uh, and I remember we were on the jungle gym, and we were in, you know, I guess but we had our feet in the ocean because it wasn't totally warm, and we were laying down on the sand at one point, just, like, staring at each other. And I remember for the first time, I I felt this almost tangible tether between myself and another human being. Like, this person has my soul in their hands. And and we hadn't touched, we hadn't kissed. It it, it was as if, like, every part of me was just alive with this person. Um, and, And then when we kissed, it was... Gosh, I don't even remember the kiss. I just remember the moment before the kiss. <laughs> because I just, it, it was so, just such a strong magnetism. Emily's first love was a short one. He was LA bound when the two met, and Emily's a Brooklynite, so they went their separate ways. But he helped solidify Emily's belief that love doesn't look the same for everyone. Not every marriage is a true romance, and not every sustaining love ends with a dog and a white picket fence. Emily eventually moved on to have other significant relationships, and during her next romance, she hit a real personal rough patch. The slump took a toll on her self-esteem, and that naturally rippled out into her relationship, too. 
was in a particularly stressful time in my life and relationship in my life. And I will tell you, this lovely guy who I was in that relationship with, he is so wonderful. He has such a big heart. And I, I think that I'm, you know, an okay human being, but we just were really triggering to one another in a, in a bunch of different ways. And, and as a result of that, in combination with some certain life factors, I just, um, I lost a lot of confidence around myself and my self-worth. And as the tension between her and her partner, and frankly her and her inner self, started to increase, Emily felt the physical effects, especially during sex. But for Emily, this wasn't an entirely new phenomenon. The way that pain during sex presented itself earlier on in my sex life was very much along the lines of, well, sex is supposed to be painful in the beginning, you know? And then, obviously, there's the whole porn thing where that informs what positions are the most attractive and most desirable. And, and there were a handful of positions that, that just weren't comfortable. Um, so what I got accustomed to doing was actually just working around them. And I wouldn't talk about it. It wouldn't come up. They would try to, you know, if, if, if a partner would put me in a position, I would just, like, get out of it. <laughs> uh, because it was easier to just assert myself like physically than to actually use the words. Um, with my first partner, it was, it was the same. I kind of just dodged positions that weren't comfortable and um, didn't say anything. Yeah. So it was never really, it was never really like an issue or a, uh, it was, you know, to be honest, I, I just like suppressed the fact that it even existed because I didn't want it to be a pain point in my sexual life. I've always been like pretty, um, outgoing and charismatic and confident and this idea that I couldn't do everything sexually just I didn't even want to accept that as a reality so I just kind of shoved it under the rug but this time the more Emily shoved it under the rug the worse it got and as a result um, of that sex just became way more painful because sex (laughs) stress really affects your body um and so I remember I I was just so broken at the time I I hated I I almost want to say I was just I hated who I was and I was constantly disappointed in myself as a as a woman as a person as a partner as a sexual sexually desirable person and and I and I felt terrible because all she wanted to do in our relationship and in the bedroom, all we both wanted to do was know that we were doing a good job and that the other person was enjoying themselves. And when this in particular arose in the bedroom, um, I just, I just, I think I got to a point where I probably just like cried or I just, I couldn't fake it anymore um, because I was just so broken. According to the ACOG, three out of four women will experience painful sex at some point in their lifetime. This happens to women for a whole host of reasons. Endometriosis can make sex painful. Hormonal shifts can cause changes that decrease the natural lubricant the body makes so that sex hurts more because of that. Sex too soon after having a baby can be painful too. The list truly does go on and on. But the pressure to perform, coupled with stereotypes about what good sex feels like and looks like and sounds like, it can really get in the way of couples figuring out the type of sex they actually do like versus what they think they're supposed to like. 
And it can be tough for the penetrating partner, too. Because if if I was in pain, he felt like it was his fault. And then I felt bad because he felt bad. And then, then everything secondly goes down the drain. Emily knew she had to make a change, but she didn't know how. She would sometimes mention it to her doctor during her annual physical, but even that kind of made her nervous. The fact that I had had painful sex for so long and, and didn't have the, the agency and literally didn't have the confidence to take initiative on my own. I brought it up once a year. I, I barely scraped the internet for, for answers because the search results were just frightening. Like literally when you don't know what you're looking for and, and it's around painful sex, you get everything that you don't want to see in the pictures, <laughs> um, which is really scary. Yeah, so, so finally at the time when I mustered up the courage to, to insist on a second opinion with another doctor, that you know, then misdiagnosed me. Um, I just stopped trying. Well, she didn't exactly stop trying. Emily just took matters into her own hands. She, along with her partner, started to do some science experiments of their own. That's how she came up with the prototype for Onut. Onut is a stack of squishy, donut-shaped rings that a penetrating partner can wear during sex to control the depth of penetration, and it helps both partners figure out what feels good, slowly but surely. Emily invented it in her house and started using it herself. Now it's a flourishing business. You know, I had this crazy idea about Onut to, to you know, I, I figured if, if deep pain was the thing that made me feel disappointed in myself and every like enormous imaginable way, maybe if I could make sex a little bit less painful, I wouldn't hate myself so much. And then my partner would feel bad about it himself. And then we could have at least at the very least an enjoyable sex life, even though our relationship was failing. There's more than a little irony to the fact that Emily's relationship was falling apart as she was inventing something that would help improve the relationships of so many other people. And her partner at the time was willing to help her out, despite the fact that things weren't working between them. This wearable donut gave them the opportunity to talk about the elephant in the room, painful sex, in a new way. So what I did was I actually made him a part of the equation. It was like, hey, I have this crazy idea that maybe if, if we adjust penetration depth, it won't hurt. And he was like, cool. You know, it wasn't, it didn't place blame on him in any way. It was just like, okay, this, 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 this pain, this physical thing is actually, it's, this, it's a problem that's outside of us now. It's not in me. It's not in him. It's outside of us. How can we tackle this together? And all of a sudden, as soon as it, it didn't, there was a judgment around it. We actually collaborated really healthily around the idea and how to start prototyping and how to test it out. I mean, again, we were in a failing relationship, but he was so on board with being the first user tester of what I of what is now Onut, you know, and, and it wasn't pretty back then, let me tell you. And now Emily's wearable is being recommended by health professionals, so it's really opened up a conversation between women and their doctors, too. I mean, well, our, our medical school education system does not equip gynecologists to actually provide the care that we are asking for. You know, the fact that it takes an average of six to 10 years to get an endometriosis diagnosis is so wrong because one out of 10 women, one out of 10 have endometriosis. Why on earth does it take about 10 years to get a diagnosis? What is missing in med school that doctors can't detect that earlier? 
And, um, and that's just endo. There's all different kinds of complications where there are no known causes that doctors aren't incentivized to actually address. Pelvic pain, because it's so compounding and so um, it's, uh, the longer it takes to diagnose it, the more compounding it gets with other factors. You know, if, if you have a complication that causes pain somewhere, you, your muscles will contract somewhere else to compensate. And then over the course of years, you just that becomes habituated. And then, and then over a longer time, your nervous system rehabituates to anticipate pain. And by the time you get the diagnosis, untangling all that is much more complicated. And as we know, mind and body are connected. Onut helped Emily get her mind right as well. I couldn't talk about pain during sex for the longest time because I didn't know how and I didn't have the confidence that I thought I would be rejected because I was rejecting myself. Whereas when I, when I finally felt a sense of ownership, and realized the actual, like, the, the way that it allowed me to bond with my partner. Um, it I, I would bring it up to a place of confidence. And be like, oh, my God, yeah, you know, in these positions, like, oh, but it's just, it's too deep. Like, there's no way. You know, you, you, it, it almost comes up with a sense of, like, yeah, like, this is kind of how it is. Like, it, like we don't talk about it, but it's just like, yeah, doggy self hurt sometimes. Like, yeah, that position that's really freaky where I'm on my back where you think that it looks, like, attractive because my legs are over your shoulders, it doesn't feel good. And they're so grateful to know that because no one's ever said it before. And then imagine, like, so imagine a situation where, where, where everything's on the table, where you're having sex with someone, and they know the thing that you don't like. They're the things that you don't like. And then and, and you know theirs, and then you check in, and you're like, okay, cool. We're both on the track to do the things that we both like, and it's working right now, and it feels really good. All of a sudden, you can leave your brain. You can shut that off and literally just be in your body. And you can feel your body, and you can feel your partner's body and not worry about how you're doing. You can literally just feel. And that is what good sex is. Before we go, I want to tell you about Pandia Health. With Pandia Health, you'll never run out of birth control again because you can skip the trip to the pharmacy each month. They deliver. Whether you're on the pill, the patch, or the ring, Pandia Health has an option for you. And as a little added bonus, Pandia Health is the only women-founded and women-led reproductive health company specializing in birth control delivery. Enter code UREVOLUTION for $5 off your next order. That's the letter U, REVOLUTION, for $5 off. Sex Like This is an Uncomfortable Revolution podcast hosted and produced by me, Nicole Edwards. Please get in touch if you want to share your story. You can email podcast at urevolution.com or head over to our website, sexlikethis.com, for more amazing stories about dating and sex with a chronic illness or disability.